So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Our brains are like, it's so hard to change my own thoughts. It'd just be so much easier if by thinking about it, I can magically change someone else, and then we'll spend like all this brain energy fixating on this thing we can't control at all. But that's because we don't really, most of us, believe that we can change how we think and feel. Once you learn how, once you do a thought ladder or two, and you actually can change your thought, you see that happen, I think that's when you start to be like, oh, it'd actually be a lot easier to just change my own thinking about this than try to make my partner be someone they aren't. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I'm fresh off a bachelorette weekend, baby. And I was at a wedding. We both we both were celebrating love. Oh my gosh, so much. So much celebrating love this year. But it was my first time being in charge of a bachelorette party. That is a lot. How did it go? I was a host. Great. Everything went Amazing. smoothly. A little tip for everybody that I did for myself. Mm-hmm. Leave ample time in between things. Yeah. Because, look, you're a group of women, all right? Everybody's got to get ready. Someone's going to be a little late. There's always someone who's a little late, okay? So you got to give enough time from the shifting activities to have a little rest, a little get ready time. But it went smoothly. Everything worked out. But it is it is <laughs> a little less enjoyable being kind of the shepherd of the group. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. <laughs> you know, it's not that I had a bad time. It's just like, I, I was like, oh man, this is like, my mind's constantly running, you know? Yep. I I totally get that. As as a, as a an often shepherd, it's a frequent shepherd, I understand. Yeah. Yes. But uh, we had a great time. And I also brought uh, my Sunset Lake CBD products to give everybody to try. Oh, fun. What a fun little gift bag for the yeah. group. So I shared it with everybody. We were doing a spa day. The whole weekend was was a lot about relaxing. It wasn't a party mm. vibe group. So I was like, let me bring some stuff. People want to try it out, right? You want to take something before we go to bed because we went to a comedy show. We're a little like riled up from the drinking, whatever. Yeah. So everybody got to try some. Everybody loved it. They were like, oh, this stuff is really great. That's awesome. I have actually been giving Rory the pet CBD that they make. Oh, is he cuddling more or less? Uh, really the same, but my vet, <laughs> my vet, so he does not have a UTI, uh, for anybody who's oh, been yes. wondering, um, that's, that's and, for the Patreon gang, but yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> um, everyone else is like, what? <laughs> everyone else is like, why are we talking about your cat's urinary tract? Um, 
But so, but my vet said, so they're still running tests, whatever, try to figure out what's wrong. But she said that it could be anxiety, the fact that he's like peeing different places. Mm. Okay. And he is quite anxious, just like a, as a cat, he is. And so I've been, I've been trying out the CBD. It's too soon to have seen any effects, according to my vet. But I'm using Sunset Lake. Yeah, they have everything for everybody. Your pets, your bachelor parties, your mother, your grandma. I don't know. <laughs> everybody. 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 Everyone. And, uh, and everyone can, can use the promo code. Everyone can use the promo code. It's FMH2020. You can do it at sunsetlakecbd.com. Place as many orders as you want. It'll work over and over again. Yes. Can't go wrong. Treat yourself to something from sunsetlakecbd.com. So I'm so happy that the bachelorette party went so well. Yeah. Everything went really, really smooth. It was fun. It was a fun group. I uh, got to know a few more people I haven't met yet. Um, but yeah, I had a great time. That's great. And weren't you supposed to have a first date this week or is that upcoming? It's this week. So I haven't got had it, it yet. Upcoming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. He texted me today. We've been chatting. Uh, there's still no exact place planned yet, but I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Can I say something that's a little annoying though? Yes. So I've noticed a trend. I'm like an Instagram saves person. I see like a restaurant I want to go to. I save it in a food category on Instagram. It's a habit I yeah. got into. I've seen a trend. I've seen a handful of men talk about their Google saved places like on google maps yeah i have that right okay so i'm like maybe you're one or the other instagram or google so he had it on his profile and as we were talking and things were great i initiated you know like oh well maybe we should meet in real life at one of those google map saved places fantastic good you intro, know, like check out yeah check out something from your list right so then of course in the planning of the date it's still the classic just like i'm not really sure what's around there Look in your fucking list. Yeah, exactly. Like a little part of me is like, are you sure? Did you check the list? There's not one or like bar in that you area. You clearly know how to Google given that you have the list. So even yes, if your list doesn't you. include this neighborhood, you're aware that Google exists. Yes. It's not just for saving. It's also for searching. For as looking. Google was originally invented for. <laughs> I was just like slightly annoyed. That I was like, you know. I was really trying to make this easy. You got a list of places. Just give me a place from the list. Pick the closest one to where I'm supposed to be and meet you near there or whatever. I don't know. It's it's such oh. a minor thing. It's not like I'm truly upset about it. But I I saw that on the profile and I'm like, this this guy seems like my kind of guy. Love a guy. List of places. Hello. Love a guy with the list. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because one of the things that I did this weekend was help a few friends, guy friends specifically, with their Hinge profiles. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that, about how you can put things on your profile that will then make it easy to like transition to a date. Or yeah. if they saw a woman's hinge profile that mentioned that she likes, like there was one woman who mentioned that she likes rooftop bars. And so I said to my friend who was like looking at her profile, I was like, ask her what her favorite one is or tell her. And then you can immediately be like, well, we should go. Or I know another one we could go to. It's right. so easy. Have you ever tried this one? Easy opener. Yeah. But like, if you're going to do something like that in your profile, you have to actually have the list of things. <laughs> I'm sure he does. It's just like yeah. one of those, I was like, okay, you know? And then upon whatever chatting we had, all of a sudden at the end of the conversation, he was like, okay, I'm going to look up some places. Great. And then he goes, feel free to do the same. No. And I was like, yes, but 
you weren't you were taking the lead. What happened? Why did that just come back to me? You know, I do feel free, but I won't. Yeah, it's yeah. But now I'm sitting here like we still don't have a place, and I'm I'm being a little stubborn about it. I'm like, don't advertise a list if you don't if you don't have. Well, because also you uh, were the one who transitioned to asking for the date. Like, yeah, you you want him to then like meet you halfway to not now not have you do all of the legwork for the situation. Yeah. And I'm not sitting here being like, I feel like I'm doing everything. No, but it's just like a couple little things. I'm being like, come on, we're right there. We're We're so close. We're so close. Especially when, you know, at kind, he asked this question. Uh, He said like, oh, you know, what do you like to drink? And I was like, the only thing I really don't like to drink is like beer. And I said like whiskey. I was like, basically yeah. just a bar that's got a variety. I'm in. Yeah. Like, just don't pick a beer hall. That's all I don't mean go by to that. So I literally went, something. pretty yeah. much any bar will work. You know? And then literally it's still like, anywhere. okay. And then it's like, okay, feel free to look it up. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I, listen, I feel like I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just like one of those little things where you're like, come on. I get it, man. I'm trying. I get it. Uh, but yeah, as of right now, I just have that in the queue. I have plenty of conversations happening. Everything keeps just dying or not going anywhere. Yeah. Having fun. Because I have, I kind of have a rule I've made for myself. And it's a bit of like an effort matching rule. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I haven't even noticed a specific trend on like whatever app. But I'm very like, I'll open the conversation or I'll ask you a question. I get some one word answer bullshit or something that doesn't even ping it back to me at all. I'm a little annoyed. I go, I'll ask another question. I do it again. If they do the same exact thing, I just don't answer. No, I'm out. It's the laziest shit that I'm like, uh, okay. Cause there's nothing for you to answer at that point. Like if they don't, they're not actually continuing the conversation. So it's like, okay, I guess that's what that was the end. You wanted it to be the end because you didn't say anything to keep it going. Right, exactly. Where immediately I'm like, I, the entire work is being done by me, and I'm over it. Nope. And sometimes it does work, though, that then, like, the next day, they'll be like, so, and ask me a question. It's like, see, there we go. There you go. That's how conversations work. We both yeah. say things. <laughs> we both say things. Yeah, but, I mean, other, other than that, I really don't have much on the uh, dating front here, personally, so... What do you what do you have? Anything new? Uh, so I have, I'm going out with a guy this week. New guy? And yep, from Bumble. New guy. Wait. So before you hear about new guy. Yes. Still no word from the stout? What's the stout? Still update? no still no word from the stout. So oh, like radio silence. Correct. Wow. Okay. So the 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 basically the basically where I've landed on this, and I went into detail on the Patreon, but like where I've landed is that I do not think we are compatible. Mm-hmm. because he just doesn't have follow through. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't even say that's a compatibility. That's just a turn off. Yeah. Very true. Very <laughs> true. And so at this point for a while, I was like waiting for him to let me know when he was free. Uh, the worst. At feeling. this point I am going, if he does reach out, which I, I doubt it's going to happen at this point. It's, it's been a while, but like, if he does reach out, I'm going to say thanks, but no thanks. And I yeah. doubt that that's going to happen. But one thing that somebody commented this on the Patreon post where I talked about this, and it was something that I'd been thinking about too. Remember on our first date, how he said 
when I told him, when he asked if I wanted to do it again and I said yes, he told me that he has had the experience where women have said that they wanted to do it again, but then it turned out that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Is this yeah. what's happening? Is yeah, he this is what's happening. This shit? If it is, then it's on him. This is nothing exactly. to do with women. I'm like, okay, so maybe it's not, who knows? But like, based yeah. on my specific experience, I said I wanted to go out again. I then gave him, he gave him several dates that I was free, was planning on planning that date. Mm-hmm. He did not reciprocate when he was free. I cannot plan a date if I don't know when we're going. Yeah, f- very fair. Like, I- <laughs> I'm curious, now that we pointed this out, do you feel like you would point this out to him if you reached out? Oh, I don't think it's so. It's tempting. It's tempting to be like, it's hey, remember so- when you said, I just want you to know, I think I found the problem. I think I found the problem. And just, <laughs> like, it's so tempting. I don't think so. I think I would just say, I don't like, think you have to whatsoever, but no. I'm like, it's a little tempting. It's a little it tempting. is tempting because this is actually, you know how we often are like, there's very little feedback about why you don't want to go out with somebody that would be helpful for them because it's such a personal reason usually. Like it's like we're not compatible or like I'm not into this. This is actually an example of something that could be helpful for him. It could be. But whether it's like the reason that we're like, eh, I don't know if that's fair to say and it's personal or a valid reason like this one. I'm always in the camp like if they don't ask, I don't say shit. Uh, same. Yeah. If he did, that's actually a good a good um, distinction. If he asked me the stout in this particular scenario, oh yeah, tell if him. he asked me, I will tell him. Tell him, because especially or, if he brings up that I said I wanted to go out again. Right. Well, I was going to say, how do you feel though if they don't ask for feedback? They make some sassy comment that's like, "See, this is what I was talking about." I, then I would all say all these women. Then oh, I would see, something. that's when I'd go. I'm not going to fucking tell you. I'm going to let you struggle till you do some self reflection yourself and figure it out. Yeah, that's where I get stubborn. I'm like, oh, you're gonna make some sassy comment to me? Good luck out there, buddy. All right, good luck. Keep doing what you're doing. Not my problem because I don't want to date you anymore. I'm not gonna fix you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, but all this to say, I do not think he's gonna reach out at this point. It's been it's been too long. But I actually did because I second guessed myself of if I was remembering the conversation correctly. Like I went back to our text conversation to make sure that I didn't miss something that like no. the last, yeah. the last thing was that I, he suggested a day that I was going to be out of town. I suggested two additional days that I would be here. He said he would figure like, try to figure something out. And then he never did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I wasn't sitting here. Like, I think you missed something out. <laughs> no, but I, I purposefully went back my, on my own because I'm just like, let me just make sure just so that I'm yeah. not, you know, and I did. Well, our guest, our guest today actually talks about this, how it's like your brain still doubts yourself even though you're like i know the facts they're right here and we still make some parallel connection like nope it can't be true yeah it's on actually the the part about the part that the part of my brain that makes me want to if he does say something sassy to tell him the reason actually comes up with our guest today too because Kara was talking about how like women want to be desired like that's we're like socialized that you know in that way and so it's that part of me that's like well i don't want him to think that i'm the problem even though like who the fuck cares (laughs) yeah who cares 
Who cares? Me though, my brain. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I don't actually, but like in that in that scenario, in um, the moment, in the our moment, brain cares. Yes, exactly. Currently, don't give a shit. But like in that moment of that conversation, I probably would. Yeah, you know, maybe if you ask for feedback, we'll just send them this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just we'll a like, link. <laughs> just like, like, well, if you want the real honest truth, listen to my here podcast, Finding Mr. Hype, right here. Listen, listen to it to over this. here. Uh, sorry, um, but I stepped on your toes with the other date update because I no 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 that's you're right. I was curious. Um, so that's so th- that's all with the other guy. So going out with him on Wednesday, um, he's picking a place. He um, he asked what subway lines I live on or what subway lines would be convenient because we already kind of said downtown Manhattan. Yeah. He lives in Manhattan, I live in Brooklyn, but he appreciated that. Asked kind of like for convenience, so he's going to be looking. Um, and I did successfully transition us down from too much talk before the day oh this is you mentioned this last week yeah yes exactly i did successfully like downshift mm-hmm. the conversation by just a couple that di- i didn't actually say it directly but i was one i was one day away from directly mentioning it but i a couple times just mentioned the date again to be like oh yeah so yeah. i'm like really looking forward to going out like can't wait to hear about that on wednesday did that twice, and then I think he he got it. We've downshifted. We're now in logistical mode. You know what? My brain just thought of that would be a funny move, but I don't know if I would advise to do this. Hmm. It's almost like in these moments you're like, I actually just want the texting to be like an email. You know? <laughs> We're not chatting in the email. It's like, here's the information. Boom, boom, boom. Let Best me know. Alley. Like, Yeah, right? <laughs> How wild would it be if you were like, can I get your email real quick? And you emailed him like, looking forward to our date. Let me know where it is. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Please like, send a calendar seat. invite with a location. <laughs> yes. Here is my email. Looking forward. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not saying you should do this, but like, oh, you just telling that story. All my brain thought was like, man, would it be completely out of pocket if it was like, can we just, can we just do this like an email? <laughs> can we just email thread this? Because you would, ne- there, yeah, you're right. There's no chit chat happening in the email. Like the email starts with like, I hope you're well, because you're not actually asking. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> Get to the meat. Yeah, it's like <laughs> one small nicety that's not actually designed for response and then get to the point. Yeah, or how infuriated would you be if you like get their email, you email them, they G-chat you. It's like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Now I've just opened up yet another mode of communication. Shit. Yeah. You're like, great. Okay. Well, doing our best. Doing our best. So so that's this week. And then one other update from Speed Racer, who I went out with last week. So he was out of town for work and had text actually texted me a couple times while he was gone and just kind of like checking in. And we had said that we would like chat when he gets back about setting up a date. He actually came home early because he got the flu. Oh, damn. Yeah. Which reminded me that I need to get my flu shot soon. Yeah. And same. Everybody get your flu shot. Everybody Holiday get your flu shot. coming. You got to yeah. get it like now. Yeah. Now's a good Before time. Before you see your grandma. Uh, yeah. Um, and so he's currently sick. Ah, so like to be determined. To be determined. Yeah. Because it's like one of those things where he doesn't know. He's it's currently does not feel well enough to go out. So he's like, I don't want to set it. He literally said, he's like, I don't want to set a date. And then like, yeah. Cancel. Yeah. So, but he's been very communicative about it, which we appreciate. 
And uh, I also, so on, so I went to a wedding this past weekend, which was amazing. So much fun. It's like very rare, I think, that you get to be in a bridal party of all your best friends. Mm-hmm. Like it like was you know literally, yeah, it was all of my best friends plus the groom and the bride sisters who I also really like. And that was amazing. We drove down. It was in Virginia. We drove down. And mm-hmm. so yesterday I had an eight-hour-ish car ride with my Ooh. three friends. It was a lot. All four of us were single, and so we took turns, like, out loud swiping on dating apps. Like, that was our road trip activity. Oh. Now, curious, I assume you're driving most of the time. Uh, I was. We switched off, actually. Okay. So, out loud, do they almost play the game, like, we're not going to show anyone the profile. We're just going to read, like, the bio, the answers. Yes. And then be like, what's your vote? And just go and off we- that? Yeah, so so basically, and it was whoever was riding shotgun was the Mm. was like in the hot seat, and so you like would read to say like, okay, this is Joe. He's thirty two. He you know he lives here. I would I would kind of you'd kind of scroll through the pictures to be like, okay, looks like he may have a dog. Like kind of like describe what's going on. Read the prompts. We were only using Hinge because we didn't want to. Bumble is like where you're at currently. What do you mean? So like. we didn't like it. It would have used your current location. Oh, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought you were going to yeah. say just, I mean, p- men tend to write less on Bumble is what I've noticed. That personally. too. That so. too. But we were using your game so to play with could, Hinge. Yeah. Yeah. So that we could swipe in New York. Um, so yeah. So we would like read read the prompts, et cetera. And then the car would like get a vibe check. Be like, all right, how are we feeling? And then we'd pass the phone to the people in the backseat, not the driver, to be super clear. Driver was not looking at the profiles. Um and then the and then we'd make our final decision. So, how does it work though? One person votes no, two people vote yes. Does that automatically mean swipe yes, or do you go based on whose hinge you're doing? It was pretty much based on whose hinge you're doing. Although there were very few disputes. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine if you're going based off vibes. Yeah, much like there were yeah. there were very few times. There were very few times when like the car wanted to do something different than the person whose hinge it was. Yeah. I'm just, I just mean in those moments, it's like, is this a democracy or at the end of the day, it's still not, we're making (laughs) it feel like it is, but it's not, but it's it's still not. It's It's absolutely not. not. Um, there were, there were a couple guys that I messaged that I wouldn't have if I'd been by myself, that I was like convinced by the group. Yeah. Well, that's what I assumed was happening during this activity. Yes. And the other way, there were there were a couple guys that the group did not want me to message mm-hmm. that I did anyway. <laughs> that you did anyway? Okay. That I did anyway. But very rare. And same thing with the other people who went. It was like a rare situation. We had eight hours. So like the number of people yeah. we went through was out astronomical. <laughs> well, I was going to say, also, I assume you guys had some of the same repeat people. No? No. That is shocking. Yeah, well, there was one guy in the car who dates women, so oh, he was okay. well, that completely over on his own. Yeah, um, but like if two two people live in Brooklyn, it's kind of yeah. Like you how, would think, you, know. you would think, but no. Um, so, but it was very fun, and it was just like it was interesting to get other people's perspectives. The very first thing that we did, obviously, we took a lot of photos at this wedding. So the very first thing that we did was like change out Update. photos. So like yeah. I added two new photos. The guy that we were, that was also with us added two new photos from the weekend. Um, 
And so that part was fun. And then we did all the swiping. I have yet to get a match from any of the people that we sent a message to yesterday. Wait, really? Oh, because you were liking and messaging at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's one day, though. It's one day. Yeah. And it's, it's still a holiday weekend. True. We're recording. So. True. Um, so, so we shall see. But uh, And then we were also, like, crowdsourcing what we should say. So, like, people mm-hmm. would vote, like, you know, oh, comment on the dog. No, no, no. Comment on the rooftop bar. Comment on this. Like, you know, whatever it is. So I think we, we generated some good comments. I'm we sure also we also started playing a fun game of what's the worst thing you could say. Mm. So that was sometimes that works weirdly. I've seen <laughs> I've seen some trends of being like um, I don't know exactly the phrasing, but it's it's basically it'll be like a TikTok video, and there's some women now that are like almost making careers out of this, where they're like be as like unhinged as possible mm-hmm. on Hinge. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, it's more about this, like, I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I don't like it at its core, right? But it's something that it's like, I feel like this is almost, actually, I feel like this is almost what Lindsay said in one of her critiques, right? Was like, eh, don't be so serious. Be more like playful. Like, yes. you don't want to look like you're like trying so hard on your hinge. But uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Because it's like, I can be trying on my hinge and also be fun. I, I, that's how I feel about it. Like, I don't think there's anything cringe about putting effort into it. Yeah. Cause a lot of times the no efforts that I see, like in these little examples, a lot of times they're funny. Yes. Like it's like, you're having like little comebacks, right. Or you're being like, Oh, I'm not going to give the answer. Everybody else gives. But then I'm sitting there thinking, but what do I say in a message? So that's where it loses me. Agreed. Because it's like, okay, I laughed. But what am I going to write? Ha ha. Yeah. And I feel like for any answers, I hate just seeing a repeat of whatever it is. So like if all three of your answers are serious, I don't like that. And I wouldn't do that. If all three of your answers are about your dog, I hate that. Like, it's like you need variety. So you want to have a funny answer that you're like, hey, this is just funny. And maybe it's not a great conversation starter, but it's funny. Fine. You'll see my sense of humor. Yeah, I'm showing you my sense of humor instead of being like, I'm funny. <laughs> you know, like something like yes. that. Yes, it is. So, so I feel like with anything, it's just like, you know, be a three-dimensional person with your three different answers. Something that was very funny is that I see a lot of men's profiles because I, I swipe on them personally. And then I also see a lot of women's profiles. They send me screenshots or in coaching or whatever. So I know that men and women are both saying very similar things to each other on their profiles. Like a lot of men say the very similar things. A lot of women say very similar things. Like hacky answers is what I call them in my yeah. head. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm overly competitive about everything. Thing. Or like, yada, yada. you know, I'm fluent in sarcasm, these types of things. Yeah. When we were first starting this game, my guy friend went first And as we were swiping through, he was talking about these generic things that he sees on women's profiles that we were seeing. And we're like, yep, these are generic. And I said to him, I was like, just wait till we get to the men. You guys do it too. Just wait. You'll see. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, no, no. Like he said, I forget what he said exactly, but like he did not believe me. And then we got to the men's profiles. I'm like, lo and behold, we've seen very specific similar things. Like 50% 50% of people, it seemed, were mentioning fresh sheets. Really? Like, really weird things that so many people were mentioning. Huh. I was like, I think I, I've rarely seen the fresh sheets one. 
I hadn't seen it until that day, and all of a sudden everybody was saying it. Interesting. This feels like Joe Rogan said, put fresh sheets on your profile. Possibly. And then then all the men followed suit because I'm like, let me tell you, sheets is not anything I've ever seen on a man's. Well, it's it's also funny because similarly, we would see something on a women on a woman's profile that he would like chuckle at and really like, and me and my girlfriends would be like, oh, that was on TikTok recently. Yes, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I think it's yeah. like the vice versa was happening. Actually, yeah. now that I think about it, I have seen people make the joke about folding a fitted sheet. Yes, that joke I've seen a hundred times, but nothing about fresh sheets. So many men liked fresh sheets on Sunday. Good. That's I mean, I'm great. Just, I'm just happy to hear they're cleaning them. It's a great, great thing. Yeah, maybe that's like a separate thing. They're like, and they have them. Yeah. Someone, there's some male out there who was like, women want to know you clean your sheets. It's one of the number one complaints we get from women. <laughs> and now they're all mentioning it. Possibly. So, but it was very fun. It really passed the time. It felt like a, an hour and it was eight because we yeah. were like so invested in each other's dating or whatever and now we're like in the group chat from the road trip like asking for updates and i don't have any yet but hopefully i can participate soon i actually used to do before i did sunday questions on my instagram i did Mm -hmm. swiping on hinge with just answers and i would oh yeah i remember when you did answers yeah but then for a while i actually was like you know everybody complains about dating so hard in my city my city's the hardest Mm -hmm. and i said okay every sunday i'm gonna change my city i'm gonna swipe through your city and i'm gonna tell you the trends i see Oh, I like that. To basically that. be like, every city has its own trends. And it was very interesting to see. <laughs> this is actually a great idea for an episode. If if you and I like changed our cities on Hinge and then like did an episode on different trends that we saw in yeah, different cities. Yeah, people can also submit to wherever yeah. they live. I like let us know if you'd idea. like us to do that. Yeah, um, if you like that idea, let us know. Yeah, or actually, maybe this is better. Be like, tell us your city and tell us why dating is so hard in your city. Yes. And we're just going to show you that it's hard everywhere. And yeah. for probably the same reasons. Probably very similar reasons. Everybody thinks similar that dating reasons. is hard in their city. Because dating is hard. It is hard. It's hard no matter where you are. Yeah. But the reasons for re- Hard for different reasons in different places. Yeah. But the hacky answers I saw, as I call them, did vary. And there were like little little trends in each area. I like it. All right. I, I like this idea. So hopefully the listeners agree. Yeah. So let us know if you like something along these lines. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think we got to get to our guest. We had a great conversation with Cara Lowenthal, who hosts the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, all about, as she called it in the episode, which I really liked, supervising your brain. Yes, supervising your brain. You can't, you can't train your brain to not have certain thoughts, but you can help it get in the right direction, essentially. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic conversation. We talked about you know anxiety in the bedroom, but also just kind of anxious thoughts and intrusive thoughts in other areas of life. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm excited for the listeners to hear it. I am too. So without further ado, let's get to Cara. Let's do it. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhight.com slash live to find an easy link. Also in our bios, 
to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft, Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge. Bring a date. Have a good time. And you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And we are back with Cara. Hi, Cara. Welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We're so excited to have you on. Uh, We took a bunch of listener submissions for this episode, all about trying to focus on anxiety and pleasure and sex, which is one one of your areas of expertise, how to get out of our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or I think even more accurately, like how to deal with the fact that you're going to get into your head and not mm-hmm. freak out and over respond to it. Because it's obviously if you start to think, okay, I got to make sure I don't get into my head, then like you're already in your head. So how to deal with the inevitable getting into your head, having your brain turn on, having thoughts you don't want, all the ways that can interact with sex, I think is like such fertile ground for retraining your brain. Yeah. What got you interested in this in the first place? Um, I mean, I work on a lot of different issues with women, but anxiety is like one of the kind of follow through things in all the different areas. Um, and I, you know, hired a coach first myself because I was an anxious mess and then I <laughs> found, you know, coaching helpful. But, uh, even after I sort of decided I was going to become a coach, I was, a um, I would say I've been a professional feminist my whole life one way or the other. So I was a reproductive rights lawyer and then an academic before I became a coach. Um, And so I was like surrounded by, you know, women who were like well-educated, successful, had amazing lives. And like everybody's still so anxious all of the time. And so even after I became a coach, you know, the, the tools that I was using, which were a lot of coaching techniques are based on, you know, cognitive psychology or evolutionary psychology and biology. They were totally helpful. They helped with my anxiety, but, and with my clients, but there was like still this sort of like 20 or 30% or something they just weren't reaching. And that was kind of after a year or two, I realized that all the work I'd done in my previous life around kind of thinking about how women are treated in society and how we are taught to think about ourselves was like the missing piece of my work now, of my coaching work. So that's really how I came to focus on this. And I think that um, I call the anxiety that women specifically have socially programmed anxiety because it's sort of anxiety that's based on how we're taught to think about ourselves in a way that generally speaking, men are not taught to think about themselves. So men have their own sex anxieties, but it's different than the ones that women have often. And that's because of the different way we're taught to think about ourselves. Can you get into that a little bit more? Like I, I'm yeah, yeah. so fascinated so, by that, but what, t- tell us, tell yes. us a little yeah, bit about yeah, yeah. that. So I just, I wanted to make sure I'm not going on like a 10 minute soapbox. Um, no, this is so, great. so for instance, you know, women are socialized to think about themselves as kind of the objects of desire. 
right? We're like the thing that gets desired and men are socialized to think about themselves as more active. Like they're the one that, that has the desire. I think these things are changing obviously over time. I think we're making progress, but you know, I know people to listen to my podcast are anywhere from like 17 to 70 and you may have a big range as well. So there's people have grown up in like a lot of different eras, right? So for instance, if you're taught that kind of to be very focused on whether you're sexually attractive and someone is desiring you, then your whole experience of sex and your sexuality gets kind of bound up in that. There's actually like science, there's scientific studies of the way that women um, are kind of like the most accurate predictor of if a woman's going to be sexually aroused in certain scenarios, if she perceives she's being desired. And that's because of this socialization, which is very different for a man. That's not the most predictive of sexual desire, whether someone's desiring him most of the time, right? Especially in kind of heterosexual relationships. So that's one example. If you think about the way that women are socialized to um, really fixate on their appearance and their needing to look a certain way, needing to conform to a certain body type, needing to always look young, right? It's like everybody's supposed to look like a 17-year-old model for their whole lives, And if you're taught that that's what you're supposed to look like and that sex and sexuality are, you know, for people who look that way, then you're going to have a lot of thoughts and feelings about like getting naked, getting in certain sexual positions. It's going to be hard to get out of your head during sex because you're not really kind of having that physical pleasure experience. You're like up in your head worried about, do I have cellulite? What does my stomach look like in this position? You know, does my partner like how I look? Do I have hair somewhere I'm not supposed to? Do I smell weird? Do I write all of that kind of messages that women get from society and advertising about what we're supposed to look like and be like totally screw us up in the head during sex and at many other times. We did get a question from a listener that's somewhat on this topic. I feel like this is the perfect time for me to ask you this. She said, I'm feeling unattractive with a partner who isn't big on complimenting my body. What advice would you give them in this situation? Right. That's perfect. Right. Women, that's how women are socialized, that they don't feel attractive unless someone is at, is complimenting them or desiring them. So there are a couple of things. The like quickest, fastest kind of intervention, right, is to just think about a time that somebody did compliment you and you felt attractive, right? Kind of like recreate that experience in your mind. So probably your partner has at some point and you can try to bring that up for a little quickie boost But obviously, this is a perfect example of why being dependent on external validation, needing other people to compliment us or desire us to feel good, is a losing battle because, like, they're never going to do it, like, enough and all the time. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't last, right? It's not like an inoculation where you get it once. You're like, great, now I feel good. It's like, okay, well, last week you you thought I was attractive, but what about this week, right? And that's because of how women are taught to think about themselves. We're taught to think that our appearance and our sexual you know, desirability is basically on a downhill slope after 17 every day. So this is a perfect example. Like you can be in a relationship with someone who wants to have sex with you and still feel like you're not desirable or you don't feel pretty or you don't feel attractive or you don't feel sexy because they're not delivering like enough validation in the way you want to receive it. So I think the ultimate fix is like learning how to create your own sense of validation for yourself, right? And the like deepest work is learning how to create 
it sounds funny when I say this because it's not really about like masturbation, although it could be, but it's like almost like creating, it's like creating desire for yourself. It's like creating an experience of sensuality or desire that like your body just can do because it's a body that can do that. Not because somebody else is making it happen for you or somebody else is like saying the right magic words to you or someone else is looking at you the way you want them to, whatever it is. It's like disconnecting those things. Mm -hmm. So to work on that, what I really suggest is, again, you can bring up an experience where you did feel very sexual and desirable, but really focus on like, what's that feeling in your body? Like, where do you feel that? Is it like butterflies? Is it like warm? Is it, you know, people experience it in different ways, arousal. What part of your body is it in? People have different erogenous zones. Like, where do you feel that tingle or whatever it is? And like, really try to connect to that sensation as something that you're creating for yourself right now, just by connecting to that memory, right? It's not, somebody else isn't there doing it for you. So when you kind of keep doing that, keep connecting to that sort of sensation and focusing on the physical sensation, I think it helps you reconnect to like your own sensuality or sexuality. And then you can kind of go from there and learn how to bring that up for yourself. Like, what does it feel like to sort of try to grow that sensation to like bring it up and then sort of luxuriate in it a little? And like, how do you feel like you carry yourself when you feel like that? What does it make you want to wear when you're feeling that feeling? Like, how can you sort of create this relationship with your own sensuality or sexuality that has nothing to do with whether your partner says those things? Do you have suggestions for like, I, I love that idea and like, feeling of like creating my own self-love and my own self-validation, but it feels really hard, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it also feels, it feels like something yeah. that could be, could take a while. Like the work yes, that you're talking about is a process. So right? I see like, something called the thought ladder, mm. which is a technique you can use to change your thought little bit by little bit. So it works best if you take sort of a concrete thought that you're having about yourself. So like, let's say that, Let's keep it in like the body realm because we're talking about sex in the body. Let's say that like you, you know, hate your stomach and you think your stomach is too big and it's gross and it doesn't look the way it's supposed to. And like, so you don't want to take your clothes off during sex. You don't want to be on top. You don't want to right? like, it's kind of, it's messing up your whole vibe. So your current thought is something like, I hate my stomach or my stomach's gross or it's too fat. Or when I say this as a fat woman, I don't think there's anything wrong with being fat. Just people can't see me when I say that. But we're socialized to think there is. So you take whatever your current thought is. Let's say it's my stomach is gross, right? I don't want anybody to see it. It's gross. You're not going to go straight to I'm a beautiful goddess. And this is <laughs> a fertility figure from the prehistoric times. Like that's just... <laughs> It's right. too far, right? Yep. And this is like, that was exactly where my head was yeah, at. Yeah, this is why positive thinking gets a bad rap because people have been taught it in an unrealistic way. And it's like these affirmations. Like I, I talk about it in my, I have a book coming out in the spring called Take Back Your Brain. And I tell the story in the book of how I like worked with this coach when I was just starting out with coaching and I had a lot of body image stuff who like made, had me like light candles and sit in front of the mirror and like try to say these positive affirmations to myself. And I was like a New York Jewish lawyer brain. Like it was not, my brain was like, what the <laughs> fuck? This is no, it's a no, this is not working. So you, what you want to go for is what I call the 10% less shitty thought. So we're not trying to go to I'm a beautiful goddess. We're just trying to feel like 10% less shitty than we do right now. 
Okay. So I really recommend, I have a whole podcast episode on this people can listen to, but what I call like a neutral thought or a ladder thought, meaning like rungs of the ladder, right? So it might be like the thought that I personally used on my stomach. This is from my real life experience. I used the thought, this is a human stomach. It doesn't sound, I always say like your your first thought, your first ladder thought, it's not going to sound inspirational. It's not sexy. It would not be on like Pinterest, <laughs> yeah. on a nice background. It's like, right? It's not supposed to be. Those those are like, I'm a beautiful goddess and you don't believe it. We're just 10% less shitty. You feel how it feels to think my stomach is disgusting and you feel how it feels to think I have a human stomach and you notice that you feel 10, 5 to 15% less terrible, right? It's like a little lightning in your body. It's like a little less heavy. It's a little less horrible. And then you practice that thought until that becomes like the default thought that you have about your stomach. Then you can do it again, go to the next rung. So it's like people sort of, there's studies showing that people um, overestimate what they can do in a short period of time, which like we've all done, like you write a list. You're like, I have Sunday off. Here's 14 things I'm going to do, right? And like, <laughs> there's no way. But we underestimate what we can achieve in longer periods of time. So it's not realistic to think that you're going to go to, I love my stomach and I'm wearing a bikini in like two days. But you will be shocked at how much you can change your thought process if you are willing to commit to practicing these little change thoughts at a time. And that works on anything. Any thought you have, right? Any area of your life, you can do a thought ladder and work your way up. Yeah, it's like you don't achieve big goals by big steps. It's You have to break them down into small goals. Right, right. So similar with your thinking. Totally. I think yeah. like what's hard in these scenarios, right, is it's like we want both. You know, like I don't sit here and say it's a man's job or my boyfriend's job to make me feel beautiful and sexy. But at the same time, I'm like, I would also like it, though, if they did. Yes. You know, it's this like is what I, I call the brain gap. Exactly. Like there's this gap between how we want to think and feel and how we actually do. Right. But I but I and that's I think so many women feel that way. Like, you know, of course, I would tell my friend that she should. Who gives a shit about that guy? But I'm totally fixated right or like of course mm -hmm. i would tell my friend to ask for the raise she deserves it but i am petrified that my boss would be mad at me right so we have that like conflict that gap and I, that's because we're like living in a time where we're still getting a lot of the same social messages about women that we've gotten for thousands of years but times are changing and we're getting some uh, like newer messages as well and so i think it's literally just like our brains have both sets of thoughts and there's this kind of conflict and gap between them but the good news is like um, it's most of the time very hard to make your boyfriend do what you want or whoever it is your boss your sexual partner your fuck buddy whatever i don't know if you yeah. curse on this podcast you're whoever oh yeah oh yeah you say whatever you want i've been trying to censor myself um <laughs> it's very hard to make other people do what we want all the time if i could tell you how to do that i'd be a billionaire but that's not how life works so even though it like it's such a funny our brains are just so funny our brains are like it's so hard to change my own thoughts. It'd just be so much easier if by thinking about it, I could magically change someone else. And then we'll spend like all this brain energy fixating on this thing we can't control at all. But that's because we don't really, most of us believe that we can change how we think and feel. Once you learn how, once you do a thought ladder or two, and you actually can cha change your thought, you see that happen. I think that's when you start to be like, oh, it'd actually be a lot easier to just change my own thinking about this than try to make my partner be someone they aren't or whoever it is. Do you have advice for, because I think 
while I don't want to make somebody be somebody they're not, I also would love someone who's able to like maybe meet me in the middle. Totally. Or meet me maybe not the middle, but somewhere of, you know, if somebody is – I've been with people very recently who were not verbal complimenters Mm -hmm. or complimenters at all. And I struggled with how to express that, not mm-hmm. in a way that's like, I need to do this all the time and it's the only way that I'm going to get my yeah. validation. But like I, like Erica said, like I also I also kind of want that a little bit. Can you help me out a yeah, little well, bit? Why did you str- – can I ask you? Why did you struggle with it? What was hard about expressing that for you? I think when I tried, however I was saying it – first of all, I think I needed to not do it in the moment mm. because I think that like that made it harder of like – it felt more pressure filled in the moment. So maybe that's a learning for myself for next time that I'm just realizing as I say this out loud. Um, that's how coaching works, man. You just but, start talking and you're like, yeah. oh, oh, no. You're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, you're like, oh yeah, there's the answer. No. Um, but I I think that I just, I didn't want him to feel like I wasn't enjoying myself. Right. And like I didn't want him to feel bad. I think there's like a guilt also yeah. associated Which, like, with women like, are socialized to take responsibility for other people's emotions, mm. right? So that is a huge part of our socialization, and it causes a ton of anxiety. And that's why women don't speak up about like it's why women fake orgasms sometimes. It's why women don't speak up about like what they want or what they like, right? They are scared to upset. And listen, you know, historically and also today. Sometimes there are actually very negative consequences for upsetting men. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to whitewash that that's the case. It's also true that many of us are in situations where we know that there's no physical danger. We just are emotionally, right? We don't want to like experience that emotion. Yeah. So yeah. So there's like a lot of, so I, you know, there's like the advice I'm like, yes, when to have the conversation, but really the deeper work is like, you're unwilling women are socialized to be like oh let's see well either i'm gonna be upset which i am now for not saying my truth or someone else might have a feeling i'll just always choose that i will suffer rather than deal with the sort of guilt and anxiety i feel about someone else ever having a negative emotion so that is really deep socialization to unwind but the good news is that in my experience we are it's pretty directly proportional, like how uncomfortable we are with our own negative emotion is how uncomfortable we are with other people having negative emotion. So the more we work on kind of being willing to accept and experience our own emotion, the less we think it's like the end of the world if somebody else has a negative emotion. In terms of like a partner who will meet you halfway, I think the beauty of like knowing that you're causing your own emotional experience is like you just get to choose. You can totally choose that you would just like someone who complimented you all the time, that that's super important to you and you're willing to break up with the person you're with or put up with some other shit that you don't like or because every relationship is going to have, right, those pluses or minuses. Yeah, totally. But it's like you're coming at it from an empowered place versus like, I have to have this to feel okay. This person won't give it to me, right? We get into this like adversarial kind of orientation or we just feel, you know, we get attached to trying to get someone else to change who just that's like not how they communicate if you know that you can create it for yourself it's just like if you know you grow your own food you're going to feel less worried about like what's happening at the grocery store it doesn't mean you won't ever go to the grocery store or enjoy a meal out but you're not going to feel like oh my god i'm gonna die if the grocery store closes (laughs) yeah yeah that makes sense 
So I think, and the, I will say that like the world, the universe really decided to prove to me that what I teach is true by giving me a partner who will just try to do whatever I want. He's like a golden retriever who just wants to make me happy. And it's been such a great experience for my brain to be like, okay, well, he fulfilled this 30 thing checklist. And now I have these complaints. Like you just, <laughs> your brain will just always find something. It's like, really, I, I mean, I already believed in what I taught, but then I've have had this experience. I'm just like, wow. Like it just, I could have come up with a list of a hundred things I wanted him to do and he would happily do them all. And my brain would be like, well, I'm still not perfectly blissfully happy all the time. So I have to find another hundred things that he has to do differently. Like <laughs> just knowing your brain's always going to have some shit, I think helps you kind of decide, is this really an important thing to me? Or is this like, my brain's always going to have some shit. I think I'll just deal with this one, with this problem. Someone might even argue because you're, I don't know, good at communicating and clearly, and you have no problem telling someone what you like and want, that that's why you got a golden retriever boyfriend in the first place. Well, that's true too. But I'm telling you, man, even that doesn't make you happy. I really was mad. (laughs) I was like, I knew intellectually as a coach that uh, the right partner was not going to solve all my problems and make me blissfully happy forever, but I'm still mad that that's what happened. That's not the, (laughs) that's not the promise I was sold by all those Disney movies. (laughs) Yes. I absolutely think you can find a better fitted partner for you. And it's also true that even the best fit partner, your brain, and what just happens is like, there's just part of being a human that's being dissatisfied. That's just part of life. But we're not taught that. We're taught that you're always supposed to be happy. And women and specifically, I think, are socialized to be to believe that when you find the right partner, then it's like you've arrived and you're happy forever. And mm-hmm. so when that doesn't happen, we're like, something's gone wrong here and it's probably your fault. And then we, <laughs> and then we like our brain looks for all the things that are wrong to try to explain why we're not blissfully happy all the time. Or at least that my brain. Sense. I don't know about the rest of you. That's definitely what my brain does. Makes sense. Um, I guess pivoting to a little bit more specific, talking about like anxiety in the bedroom. Yeah. We got a handful of questions uh, regarding this. So how about this one? How to deal with anxiety in the bedroom with a new partner post-divorce or post-long-term relationship? Yeah, I think you have to kind of get specific with yourself. What is the anxiety, right? So we need to know kind of like what's the specific thought in order to be able to change it. So like for some people, you know, we talked about body image. It could be that. For somebody else, it might be like, you know, I don't know if I remember how to have sex with anybody else or like what are they going to like or like I've been out of the game. Are the kids doing new things and I'm not going to know what to do? Like you have to figure out kind of what your specific thought is. I think because of the way women are socialized around youth and beauty, you know, I don't, you may have, you may have people of all genders writing in questions, but I think women in particular kind of what I often see come up in coaching for in this kind of scenario is sort of like, you know, the last time I had a new partner, I was like young and I was like this weight or this is what my thighs looked like then. or I didn't have loose skin or I didn't have whatever. And like now I'm old. And so now I feel insecure because there's so much ageism in our society, especially around women and their appearance. So, you know, my recommendation is really like spend, spend like five minutes even just writing down your thoughts, just set a timer of like, what am I anxious about? What's making me anxious about sex with a new person? You got to really find out what the thought is. And that's what we're going to have to work on. And then you can use that kind of thought ladder to like, what's the 10% less shitty thought, right? Like one of the thoughts I used, I because I used to have this thing in a lot of I think women have, which is this belief that somehow, even though somebody wants to have sex with us, they're going to be somehow like horrified by our body when we disrobe, like they're not going to know what was under there and they're going to be right. Mm -hmm. And at one point I just, I was like, pushing myself. I was like, wait a minute. 
like everybody has access to the internet and porn now. So what are the odds that if a dude is attracted to my body type, he hasn't watched like a hundred naked women in the last three months, probably like however much, right? And that was so I love free. that point. Like, That's yeah. a great point. That's right. Great if you're attracted point. to curvy women, then you know what they look like naked. I'm sure you've watched porn. Like, so this sort of but you really have that's why you got to like figure out what's the actual specific thing you're anxious about so you can kind of craft a new thought for yourself that corresponds to it the ageism thing really resonated with me it's like something i've been talking about a lot in therapy recently actually is that in so many ways i am happy that i did not end up with anybody that i dated in my 20s because they were not right for me oh my god can you imagine if i was married to the boyfriend from my 20s good god no <laughs> no Good God, no. Even like early 30s, like there were some sure. lemons. <laughs> but like for me personally, however, so I know that and I'm so yeah. happy that that didn't happen. And I'm like, I feel generally so wonderful about who I am at 36 yeah. and like the partner that I am now going to be able to meet and find that is so much better for me long term. And I still think about well, I hope I meet someone soon because I still mm -hmm. like what I look like. Like mm -hmm. I have that thought that yeah. there's not even – it's not even like, oh, I no longer do. It's like, well, based on the media, like based on what society tells right. me, pretty soon, pretty soon I'm not going to like it anymore. So like best hope I meet somebody right. soon while I still right. do and they still do. Right. And that's what we're socialized to believe that like women's attractiveness is just on this downhill swing from, you know, it's like up from – seven till 17 then down to the grave right so i mean a couple of things about what you said one i think is interesting is that your what you said was you know i i like how i look now but i won't in the future the good news is the only reason you like how you look now is your thoughts about yourself sure. it's not actually your face causing that because lots of people don't like how they look at 36 or at 26 or at 16. so the good news is you've been practicing positive thoughts about your appearance unconsciously you can decide to keep practicing those thoughts consciously Right. So like you don't have to mm. kind of abandon yourself and like, well, I don't know. I like how I look now, but one day I'll look in the mirror and it'll just be Dracula and then I'll have to hate it. Like you can decide that you're going to frat, you're going to like, like I would write down all the thoughts you have about your appearance now if they're positive and then like, okay, you're, I already got this little script that I already believe. I'm going to keep practicing that on purpose. I'm going to keep mm. believing that. The other thing I always just reminded myself, and I will say I met my partner when I was 40 and he was 52. And I have a great uncle who, met his second wife, but I think it might have been her first marriage. I'm not sure. But at 80. And then they were together till he was 94 and he passed away. It's like literally oh never too late. Love at 80. Mm -hmm. But it is the other thing. I just think I about like that. like the media makes us think, right, that if we are not a like hairless, wrinkleless, poreless 17-year-old, we're not sexually attractive. When you think about all the people throughout history who have had sex, when people <laughs> didn't bathe, when people did not have makeup, when people, like people have been fucking for millennia, and it really like before there was filler, before there was Botox, like it's just, I just my experience, like there is for sure some ageism, sizeism, racism, classism, everything in the like sexual marketplace or whatever. Yes, that's true, but there's also just lots of humans, normal humans who have always been fucking and always still find each other sexually attractive. Like the only people that, I mean, I th thought, I think about this with my, with my body size all the time. Like it was actually, even though it was very hard before I'd done the thought work, it was very painful. 
in retrospect, I can see what a gift it was to date as a fat woman because everybody I dated was super body positive. Never mm-hmm. had a never had a partner who like thought I should lose weight or had any opinion about what I ate or had like critiques of my body, right? Because those people wouldn't have dated me. And the same thing for like I'm I'm constantly aggressively telling my partner that I plan to age naturally. And he's always like <laughs> he's always like, I don't know why you're so aggressive about this. Like I'm obviously attracted to you now when you haven't done anything to your face and you're already 43. Like what, you know, there's so many people out there who are attracted to real human beings as they age. There's this meme going around or tweet going around that I think is quite good. That's basically like when you, the like when you age out of 25 or something, once you're over 25, there's like a subset of men who are no longer interested in you because they're only interested in women under 25. That's all you're losing is just the men who are only interested in women under 25. And we act like that's everybody, but it's not. That's like the 10% of emotionally delayed assholes out there. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. But like, right. But like, look (laughs) at all the people, look at all the Hollywood stars who are still married to their first wife in their 60s. So I, you know, I just like really think about like medieval peasants having sex. People have had sex and found each other at all ages throughout history with no teeth a lot of the time so like it's gonna be fine that's honestly something i've i've noticed too um i'm not a plus size woman but i am like 30 i mean i probably shouldn't say numbers but i'm a few sizes bigger than i used to be Mm. however being the bigger size i am now i have actually had partners that were way more appreciative of my body that made me be like damn i don't even feel like those other guys liked me and it's a time I look back on and my brain is also being like, oh man, I wish I looked like that time. Right. Like I felt like life was better looking like that. But then if I actually look at specifically my sexual experiences, they are better yes. for me in a larger body. So it's, but it's still an interesting thing that your brain like contrasts being Well, like, you're oh. so socialized to believe that, right? And we know from right. like the studies on cognitive dissonance that when your brain is presented with evidence that contradicts its belief, it will often just be like, nah. Like, it's just like, I'm just sticking with this belief, right? Like there's studies about like people who are climate change deniers. It's like you show them evidence of climate change and they believe in climate denial more strongly. So like, this is a thing your brain does if you're not supervising it. (laughs) Being open (laughs) to new information is like, it doesn't want to be wrong. It's just, it's like, that's very energy draining. Your brain wants to conserve energy, be right. So yeah, I mean, so many women will be like, I just wish I looked the way I used to. And I'd be like, okay, how'd you feel then? And they were like, oh, I felt terrible about myself. And I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. Well, Great. so, right. So it's like, that's really, that's a place that I think that like practicing new thoughts is like so important, right? It's like, why do I, why do I want to be thin? Because my brain has told me I'd have better sex and dating relationships when I was thin. Okay. But that's literally not what happened. Like I'm having better ones now and sort of reinforcing that thought over and over again. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Like if you are, and the same with aging. It's like if you date a man who likes how a 40 or 50 year old woman looks, then they like how you look and they're going to be much more enthusiastically into that than trying to like always look 30 so you can date a man who doesn't like women who age. It's like, this is a, that is like a, what's the word? That's a booby prize. Like what, that is not a prize, yeah. right? Like <laughs> trying to make yourself look younger or be artificially thin in terms of your what your body wants to do so you can like be with somebody who only likes women who look artificially thin or young like that's you haven't won you've lost the game things have gone Mm -hmm. the wrong way right but that's what society encourages us to do oh we all know those men 
that you're like, yeah, right. You're like, and it's not that they don't exist. They're not the only men out there, right? The people selling you the idea that they are, are all the companies that make billions of dollars off of you hating yourself and spending money on trying to be different. Oh yeah. I'm just saying like, as we get older, we see those men and totally. we're so kind of disgusted by them. We're like, right. Oh, God, like, thank God. What if you'd married him? one when you were 25 and oh, then you got God. to 35 right. and it was like, well, I think you could get more Botox, honey. Or what about some fill? I mean, Ooh. nightmare. Ugh. I I had a very frustrating conversation with a guy recently about his age range that he was using on dating apps. And Uh this guy's in his early 30s. And like 17 to 19. His it well, his age range originally started at 18. Oh god. And I was like, what those people are in college. Like, are you really Uh, gonna go in high school? In high school still. Yeah. I'm like, are you gonna go stay? Do you would you like to go stay in a NYU dorm? Like, what are you doing? And so finally we like got it up beyond that. But then I had to fight him tooth and nail to raise it over 29 at the high end. But then this was interesting. So we did that. Mm-hmm. And then I checked back Even in the with Lord's him. Work, you were really <laughs> one like, guy at a time. Get out of my apartment. I don't really. What is? <laughs> so I checked back in with him like a week later. I saw him again, and I was like, "Oh, hey, like any new, you know, any new Bumble matches since we like made the changes?" And he is going on a date with somebody in her thirties that he's super excited about. I'm like this per- this person. You literally would never have met this person if you get married. I want I want you to pay me or something. Like yeah. I like I don't know what I don't <laughs> know what I want. But fee or the first child or something. Something. I need something because and he actually said he's like yeah like actually I'm seeing a lot more people that look like he's looking for a relationship. I should mention that too. Well, that's the other thing. My partner has a friend like this who's like constantly trying to date women twenty years younger, and then he's like, but I don't want kids, and they're blah blah. blah. And I'm like, what? Stop dating people. Who are in their childbearing years if you are older than that and you don't want to have children. Exactly. So, like, you're yeah, not – what you're saying you want and what you're doing are not lining up. This like is the you, socialization, right? I mean, men and men are socialized to date younger. Women are socialized to date older. And, you know, it's like we just assume that this is normal. And, I, yeah, I mean, this is, like, not the first time I've heard this of, like, having to be like, listen, if you want X, then you need to do Y. If you want someone who's ready to settle down and have a family – don't try to date a 22 year old i mean there, yes. no offense to any 22 year old listening to this who's ready to settle down and have a family but that's <laughs> that's a different life stage well i think Very a lot so. of times it's like people assume they would not be attracted to someone that is right. whatever the age number is right right but i've also had male friends being like well i don't want to date a girl who's let's say like 34 35 they go because those girls like know what they want if they want to get married, they want to get married sooner than later. And if they want kids, they want it sooner than later. And they say, I don't have my life together, so I'm avoiding right. those women. Instead of, hey, maybe I should get my life together to not only increase my options, but also get those things I want, right? Because yeah. they'll want those things, but they're like, oh, I'm nervous. 35, I'm nervous. It's going to be sooner than I want. Like, And it's just mind-blowing to be like, I feel like that's a huge difference between women and men. Like women, we're constantly like working on ourselves, trying to be like, okay, I want to be ready. And when the guy comes, I want to be ready. And then men are just like, oh, this woman really makes me realize I'm not ready. She's too ready. So I'm just going to still be emotionally unavailable and whatever and deal with the younger women. (laughs) Well, I think it's also complicated because women are so heavily socialized to see marriage and having children as symbols of adulthood and having like arrived Mm -hmm. and having grown up in a way that men are not so obviously some 
women do have, you know, a quote unquote biological clock. Are they really like, they really are sure they want children. It's, it's, you know, let's say it exists. Nothing really exists separately of socialization, but like if it could, it would, it's like, that is really, you know, what, why they're going for what they're going for. But I think that there's a lot, like way more women than we think who get married, have kids then are like, wait, why did I want, like, did I really want this? Like, was this the right thing for me? Like, I mean, it's so taboo for women to talk about regretting motherhood in our society, but there are women who do. And I think there are also like, I mean, as a coach, you just hear everybody's secret thoughts. Like there are, you know, there are women who are like, you know, I love my kid. You know, it's a, it's that split brain. It's like, I love my kids and I throw myself in front of a truck for them. And if I could do it all again, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't do it because I see now that I was like really, chasing that validation it's just so deep i have done so much deprogramming work on myself with this stuff and still i just did two podcasts that were about um getting engaged and the prospect of getting married and like having done i did a ton of work around like being single and not wanting children and now my partner has children and so we have them part-time and like you know i just have i have done so much deprogramming work and i can still totally see that my part of my brain still has the thoughts of like you know thinking differently about myself being engaged or married, thinking differently about like what that signal, like you put on this ring and it's like, okay, it's this signal to the world that means a certain thing about your desirability, your, which for women is your worth. So, you know, it's like, there is this, there's the issue you're describing. And then there's situations in which I also get why like men going on a third date or like, why do I need to know if I want kids yet? But because we are, women are so socialized to attach their worth and value to like hitting these outcomes and to getting into a certain kind of relationship, I think it can make us like, I'll speak for myself. I definitely used to be like insane on second and third date. Like I was just too, you know, because I had so much socialization about needing to be in a certain kind of relationship to show that I was good enough, especially as a larger bodied woman, I was just very, you know, grippy about like wanting to be in one and wanting to know if this one was going to work out. There's like women have so much anxiety around it that then I think it, it makes us treat the relationship as like a vehicle for proving that self-worth, not really as a like getting to know a person and seeing if I actually want to spend the rest of my life with them, which is a long time. And I think so. So it's like a vicious cycle. Like I think men also experience that react to it, but then also they're enabled by our culture to have their biological clock to wait later. So it just becomes like a, a vicious cycle. Yeah, I've had that um, with like people in my life, and it's, and I know with them, it doesn't come from like a bad place. It's almost like they're saying, "I know you're really like focusing on your career and hustling, and we're really proud of you. We just want to check in if you're also thinking about these other things." As if you could, and you're not. like, you're like yes, "Yes, I am. I have. A, I'm of course thinking about those other things you're like, too." No, I live in the society, and I'd never heard about getting married and having children. Is that a thing that women should do? <laughs> Tell me more about that. What? What's a husband? Right. Like, it's like, like yes, I am also thinking like, about it. Thank you. Know, you again for the reminder. Kill you, right? Smokers are like, yeah, I've heard. Like, how could I yeah. not have heard? Right. Yeah, it's really intense. And, you know, my family was not really at all focused on that stuff. I really, the messages were like, I mean, that's how strong the cultural messaging is. Even though my family was like kind of getting education, like that's the most important thing. You, you know, worry about like my parents wanted grandchildren, but they were not particularly fixated on like getting married or, you know. But the culture is so strong that I, I, I was still completely insane about it. It just really the, gets in your brain. 
There's a couple questions I do. I do like yes. weekly ask me anythings in my Instagram stories. And like, there's a couple questions that I get every single week. And one of them, so I'm not sure if I want kids. I'm like, I've talked about it a bunch on this platform, on the podcast, whatever. Every single week, somebody asks me if I think I'm going to regret not having kids. Every single week. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. I don't know if you want to hear that. <laughs> uh, well, and I'm just like, may- maybe, but like I Are you going to regret know. moving to getting married? Are you going to regret moving to Topeka? Like regret is, first of all, <laughs> regret is just a feeling. You will, and my experience is that humans will always have regret because anytime that we're unhappy, we're like, let's see, where did I go wrong? What mm. could I regret that I could blame this on, right? So like if you have kids- when your kids are screaming and you're so sick of them and being touched out and you just want a fucking break, you're going to feel the emotion of regretting having them for a minute. And if you don't have kids, some holiday you're going to feel lonely or you'll get broken up, whatever. You'll just be having a negative emotion, which is part of human life. And your brain's going to be like, I bet if we just had kids, we wouldn't have to feel this way. It's like regret is not a sign that you made a decision wrong. Regret is just your brain looking for something to blame a current negative emotion on. So like, yeah, you might regret it not having kids. If you have kids, you might regret having them. And that doesn't really, that's not a way to make a decision anyway. Right. If you ever tried to make a decision based on what you don't want to regret, you know, it just causes a lot of rumination and anxiety because you can't. Any regret, you don't, you don't really know till you feel it. That's right. And you can't predict what will make you, what you will regret or not. So if you tell your brain, all right, brain, we have two choices. Pick the one we won't regret. Your brain's like, I don't fucking know which one of these things we're not going to regret. Like, how would I know? And then you can never make the decision. So, you know, yeah. I mean, that's like such a common question, and, but it's just so misguided. And for the record, if I were making that decision based on what I would regret less, I would certainly rather regret not than regret human beings that exist. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. in those two, like if I'm like, I created these human beings and I wish I hadn't, ah! Right. There's a lot of ways to have the experience of parenting in different ways that you could do if you decide you want to. But once you have children, it's very hard to go back to recreate the experience of not having children. It's very, yeah. yeah, um, Last irrevocable thing. Yeah. I I know someone personally that was talking to her husband and said, you know, I I do think I actually regret having kids. Sometimes I feel like I shouldn't have had kids. And the response is kind of like, how could you say such a thing? Right. And any mother that hears it usually kind of thinks the same way, right? So it's not it, but it's like wow, what a first of all vulnerable relationship moment. Yeah. That you're like I'm just trying to be fully honest about what I'm actually feeling here and thinking. And and I didn't say like so let's put him up for adoption. You know what I mean? Like there's right. no yeah. solution <laughs> like, here. This is just be like so hard. you know people take things personally like not and I don't think that's particularly gender necessarily. I can imagine a woman having the same reaction. It's like it feels like a rejection of your whole like life that you've you know built together. Right. If you just think about human history, everybody basically if they wanted to have sex had to be pretty much willing to have kids unless they weren't physically able. So you didn't really there wasn't a lot of choice. Just everybody did, right? And now, and so our society is built on that, kind of the messages that go along with that. And it's, and it's still so taboo to, you know, to even choose not to, much less to admit that having done so, maybe wish you hadn't or would have changed it if you could. I mean, my take on now that I'm a part-time parent, when I had, I had very definitively planned to not have children. I wasn't like, I'm not sure. I was like, yeah. for sure, no. <laughs> and now here I am, co-parenting half the time. And 
it is both true that I like love these kids and being a parent is like, or, you know, bonus parent is like interesting and engaging in ways I didn't expect. Like I basically expected there were no positives. So it turns out there are some. <laughs> I was like, this is pure judgery. No, thank you. What if the hormones don't kick in? Yeah. It turns out there are some, but I will also say that the things that I thought would be hard for me about it are hard for me about it. Yeah. Like I wasn't wrong about any of that. Mm-hmm. It's like overstimulating and I need a lot of alone time. And, you know, it's just all of that's true. So, you know, I think it's like if you know you're – it's like this is part of the whole women are socialized, like doubt themselves and the whole like kind of cultural story is that like women don't know themselves and don't, you know – I mean we have millennia of kind of the belief that like men are the intellectual logical ones and women are just the like flighty emotional ones, right? But, women are being diagnosed with hysteria. Right, exactly. But like I knew myself pretty well on this front. There, Nothing that I thought would be hard about it has turned out to not be hard about it. Like I was right. So I don't regret my decision, but – it's only confirmed my belief that like you can absolutely know that based on who you are and how you want to live your life and what you imagine would be hard for you about parenting like that can be totally accurate i hate to make a pivot pivot here but uh <laughs> we did get a few questions about orgasming and sex yeah you're like straight like, to blowjob next you're like what would you if you don't want to get pregnant next <laughs> thing we can do we finished anxiety and sex, even though this is also a great topic, and I'm I'm very much enjoying this episode <laughs> and all your thoughts. It's very hard to corral. I'm sorry. I feel it like I'm letting them down if I if I don't if I don't bring yes, up these I'm few, ready. okay? Because we have a few different versions of this here. Yes. Yes. All right. So I'm going to ask you these two that are kind of similar, okay. kind of different. So first one here is I feel guilt for not orgasming during sex. There is no pressure from my partner, but how can I work on feeling guilty about that? On not feeling guilty. I'm sorry. I'm just, yes. Yeah. Okay. And then is there a second one? You said there are two questions. Okay. Were... Yeah. So the other one is, um, what advice would you have for someone struggling to orgasm? Sex okay. feels good, but I can never reach the big O. So okay. basically we have two people here struggling to orgasm. One is feeling okay. guilty about it. The other yeah. one's just trying to be like, how do I deal with Get there? Well, I think yeah, the guilty one, let's talk about the guilty one first. Like that is so fascinating, right? The idea of feeling guilty because you can't orgasm. Like, I can't whistle and I don't feel guilty about that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why do you feel guilty that you can't orgasm? That is socialization, right? Like, and I don't know, this person would need to ask themselves, but that would be my advice. Like, is it because I should be able to? Because that's like what women are supposed to be able to do during sex. That's like the sex positive empowered thing to do. My partner would like it if I orgasmed. They're trying to make me orgasm and I feel guilty not to, like, got to figure out why you're feeling guilty. Um, and also, often, sometimes when people say guilt, what they really mean is like shame. They're not, mm-hmm. it's hard to know the difference between that if you don't do a lot of emotional work, I think. So it may be that what this person means is actually that they feel ashamed about not orgasming, like they think they should be able to. So I would recommend that, like my advice is, I mean, this is why on some level I'm a broken record, like figure out what that actual thought is. So like ask yourself the questions I just asked you, like, why are you feeling guilty? What is there to kind of feel guilty about? Guilt usually is like associated with feeling like we did something wrong often that like impacts someone else. So like, is it your partner? What is it? Is it shame? Do you feel like you're supposed to? And then you need to like change your thinking around that. Part of what may be going on on a physiological level, obviously, is like people orgasm in a lot of different ways. Your partner Mm -hmm. may not just may just not be doing the thing. And also when somebody says during sex, I don't know what that means. Do they mean like penile vaginal penetration? In which case, I forget what the statistic is, was like 60% of women or something don't orgasm from that. 
So I think it's like eighty percent. Maybe yeah, it's higher, I think it's yeah. real. It's really low. The women who can, I think it's only yeah. like nine percent can. Yeah, so it's very okay. low. So um, there you go. I assume so they like mean 90%. the general, the general sphere. You know, I don't right. want to speak so for because like, I don't know who submitted this question, but like, I, th- I believe it's just in general. So whatever, however you're Something's having happening. the sex may not be the way. First, like number one, not everybody's going to orgasm as easily, as frequently, necessarily at all. I actually think that people have different. Like I personally have different experiences that I call orgasms that feel very different. And I'm actually not sure that we are all even having the same experience when we use the word orgasm. Mm -hmm. So you may like, you might be having some version of it that somebody else would call an orgasm. Like is all of it's up for debate. So, but I think an easy example, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, like yeah. for myself that I could think of out the gate because I don't know how much you get explicit. So uh, I'm happy to talk something about like it. when I masturbate by myself, I orgasm. But that always feels differently than when a partner makes me orgasm, yeah, say, by going totally. down on me. Right. So I, I, I'm i getting exactly yeah. well, what you're for saying, me. But. I mean, the reason I was thinking about this is that I actually have like I could easily have lots of little ones and I can have like a million in a row. But a really big one actually takes much longer to get to, happens when I'm less aroused, and then I have a hmm. big refractory period where I don't want to be touched at all. More similar to kind of a stereotypical man, like penis orgasm, not men, you know, <laughs> whoever has the penis. So, so for instance, like, you know, I much more rarely have that big kind and don't really like them that much because it's like, it happens when I'm less aroused and then I don't want to be touched. I'm just like not that interested in that whole thing. Yeah. But given what like the stereotype is around what a big orgasm feels like, a person could be having the experience I have where I have like lots of little highs and thinking like I'm not orgasming. There's something wrong with me. So it's like not even orgasm is one category that is all the same. Right. So what I would recommend for this person is like to figure out what it is. Where's this guilt coming? Cause you're not gonna be able to, the whole point of like the second part of the conversation you, we're having now about the different kinds of orgasm that requires like curiosity and being present in your body. And like, you can't do that when you are feeling guilt or shame. So we got to like clean that part up first, use that thought letter that I taught to like change the thought. Like there's nothing morally problematic about not having an orgasm. Right? If you're feeling guilty, like that's, mm-hmm. I'm not committing a sin right now. I am not hurting someone by not having an orgasm. I like to bring humor to our brains. This is not me laughing at the question asker. I just think yeah, our, totally. brains are, like, no, no, no. our brains are hilarious and we just have to be like, okay, brain, I didn't murder someone. I just didn't have an orgasm. Like is guilt <laughs> really the response we need to have to this. So you got to like work on that guilt and shame. And then you'll be able to get more into that curious space of like, do I even, have I ever had an orgasm? Like this person said during sex, do they orgasm when they masturbate? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Is it the kind of simulation? Is it the kind of, are they actually kinky and they're having vanilla sex? Is it like the angle? Is it like the, what parts of the body? Do they need a toy? All that stuff, you know, but fundamentally the thing that connects this to the second question is the more that you focus on how you're trying to orgasm, the less you're going to orgasm. Right. It's like trying mm-hmm. to really hard to feel peaceful. It's just like, that's not <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And we see like a similar thing for people with penises, you know, who have, um, who are having problems with having erections, like the more that you're focused on, on, on that, the harder it is, pun not intended to have an erection. Like <laughs> no pun intended, no pun intended, the right, the brain gets involved. So same thing, right. The best way, if you want to have more orgasms, and that's physically available to you, the best way to do it is to stop caring so much whether you have an orgasm or not, right? So like one thing that can be effective is to just like take it off the table, like agree with your partner that you are not trying to have an orgasm for the next month or whatever it is. So it's like not even a thing to think about and just experiment with 
what feels good if I'm not trying to have an orgasm, right? What kinds of touch do we want to have? Like whatever you need to do to sort of help your brain stop fixating on that as the goal. Sex got a lot better for me when I stopped worrying that I wasn't having orgasms. And like now that you're actually saying that thing though about the little Mm -hmm. orgasms, I've had this thought before that I have never had that big moment that you're talking about. But I do have many moments that are like awesome and definitely like something. Right. There's a there's like a build up and then a release. So that's yeah. like if that's how you define orgasm, that's kind of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. But like because I've never had that like, oh my God, like the thing you see in movies where like it's you know overrated. I'm as somebody, I don't know, for at least those of us who have the little ones. I would way rather have that. That is like, I'm not, it's not my favorite. So that's what I, yeah. But I I think because also the men that I'm sleeping with have also seen the movies. Right. They're like not, they're looking for that. Right. And sex got so much better when I started upfront saying like, that is unlikely to happen. Right. I don't, I don't really usually tell them that. Let's not get fixated on it. Yeah. Like we're, you know, I'm not a project. This is not a group project that we're working on together. Like, Mm-hmm. Right. Well, men are socialized. I mean, even men who have a slightly more positive masculinity of socialization, they want their partner to orgasm, can be socialized to like attach that to like how good they are in bed yeah. and their worth and value. So you have to like help with that deprogramming too. Yeah. And I've had to get a lot better at, funny that we were talking about verbal affirmations in the beginning. I've had to get a lot better at my own verbal affirmations mm-hmm. to like reconfirm like this right. is great. I am all about this, even if right. like that thing that you think is supposed to happen every time isn't going to. Right. And I think that also comes from society being essentially organized around the male orgasm. Right. I mean, like yes. in a patriarchal society, it's like mm-hmm. a male orgasm is like the most important thing that could ever happen. And that's like one. There are also people with penises and including some men who don't necessarily find it that easy to have that big orgasm or don't really mm-hmm. want to or don't find that that enjoyable. Right. Or become don't like it because they become hypersensitive afterwards or whatever. Like this whole premise that sex is like the movie scene. That's basically like we passionately mash our faces together, strip off all of our clothes. And two minutes later, everybody has a spontaneous orgasm. It's just like not at the same time. What's real right at Mm -hmm. the same time is not what's real. Uh, I mean, the other question I was going to ask you, I feel like you already indirectly predicted someone would ask about this uh about their partner having performance anxiety and it is a he so uh, they asked yeah so he has performance anxiety and has yet to climax Mm. how do i help or is there anything i can do to help same thing like you get to be proactive being like you know what who cares are we both having fun great it's like i don't know i'm trying to think of a good metaphor it's like saying it's only worth you know eating a meal if we also have dessert like who cares it's like a nice thing that is not required so I think what that person can do is just help take that focus take the focus off of it like she can't I don't know if it's she asking the question but whoever it is asking the question you can't you can't fix it for that person their thoughts and feelings about it right so don't take on that responsibility that's not your responsibility like they have their Mm -hmm. own socialization their own stuff going on but what you can do is you know, if they're open to like talking about it or want supportive suggestions is the same thing I was just recommending. Just like take the pressure off that or take that off the table. Like let's try to have sex for a week without either of us having an orgasm. Like let's see what feels good and what we do if we're not thinking about orgasms. Just try to bring that, like make it playful, right? Sex is supposed to be fun. If it gets 
starts to turn into like a homework assignment. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not so fun. Well, I think it's a little I, tricky because you're, you're almost indirectly saying like, hey, if you don't orgasm, almost, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, but I do care. I want you to. But if you but don't, why it's does, also okay. Why do they want them to? That's the question, right? Like that person was sounding like they were saying that their partner's stressed about it. And they want to help their partner not be stressed about it. If they meant, how do I help my partner come? Then they're asking the wrong question because that is up to their partner and their partner's body and brain. And then they should do some self-coaching themselves on like, why am I attached to this, right? What am I making it mean if my partner isn't orgasming? If they are a woman or were socialized as a woman, there's a lot of socialization around that of like, something's wrong with me. I'm not attractive. They don't really desire me. I'm bad at sex. I'm not doing it right. Like, so if, if it's a problem for you that they're not orgasming, then you got to unpack why is that a problem for you? It helps yeah, me a lot. I've dated somebody who didn't, orgasm every time. And in fact, it was fairly rare. Mm -hmm. And it helped me to frame it as if it were me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I don't either. Right. <laughs> so like, why? Wait, if this was e if this was equal, that would be okay. Right. Right. I'm like, okay. The only thing that, that it, it then, to your point about how our society centers on the male orgasm, like that's when quote unquote sex is over. Right. So like, the only thing that made it a little bit difficult when neither one of us were going to orgasm like, was like, a what timer? When like, do when do we know when we're done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a partner who almost never orgasmed and that was some of the, that was one of the best sexual dynamics I had. I mean, that was just what was going on with his physiology at the time, but we had super, and we had like so such, like so much great long making out, like all the kind of stuff, you know, the parts that like tend to get shorter when you're in a long-term relationship because mm. you're, it's just kind of like more perfunctory you're like I've kissed you a lot you know whatever it is like we had like that part of our relationship was really hot because that was kind of the foreplay was kind of the main thing so there's advantages to it too there's really you know it's there's disadvantages and advantages to every option car this was amazing I learned so much and also just stuff I didn't even anticipate learning tonight so thank you so much <laughs> That's how I like to show up. Surprise learning. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining the pod. And we have all your info in the description, but it, just for the people listening here, tell them where you could, they could find you. And yeah. Uh, else I like have a, you can find me. Uh, my podcast is Unfuck Your Brain, but I have a book coming out that you can already pre-order called Take Back Your Brain. So if you want to make sure you get a copy right when it comes out, go to, you can go to Amazon or uh, we all have feelings about Amazon, but for pre-orders of books, it's actually a good place to do it. It's good for the pub the publisher sees that people want to read your book. Or you can go to wherever you get your books. Um, so Unfuck Your Brain is the podcast. Take Back Your Brain is the book, which you can pre-order now. And uh, I'm on social media at my hard to spell long last name. But if you just Google Take Back Your Brain, you will find my name. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yes. And we will see everyone next week. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards.
Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.